he is more than a hero. He is a god in my eyes. The man who is allowed to sit beside you, he who listens intimately to the sweet murmur of your voice, the enticing laughter that makes my own heart beat fast. If I meet you suddenly, I can't speak. My tongue is broken, a thin flame runs under my skin. Seeing nothing, hearing only my own ears drumming, I drip with sweat. Trembling shakes my body, and I turn paler than dry grass. At such times, death isn't far from me. Sappho, Fragment 31, circa 600 BC. Translated by Mary Barnard, 1958. On the north end, by the big bend, the tank was in repose. Purity stood close to Willow and Shore, he could handle the load. Sailors were sweating, shedding their overcoats. The temperature rose, put a chink in the armor, a winter too warm would unleash a mother load. Hi, and welcome back to Tabletop Garden, an actual play podcast where we collaborate on short, self-contained stories about interesting characters, and we do it with an agenda. I'm Gregory Avery Weir, and we are continuing our campaign of The Great Molasses Flood. If you're enjoying this campaign, I would love it if you would rate us on your podcast platform of choice, whether that's iTunes or Google Podcasts or whatever. Please tell your friends about us, and you can also be a great help by supporting me on Patreon at patreon.com slash Gregory Avery Weir. If you're listening to this episode a week early, because you are already a patron, thank you very much. I, I really, really appreciate the support there. Like usual, our agenda is to honestly portray diverse characters pursue healthy play practices, and craft story with social responsibility. For this campaign, we're also working to make our play consensus-based, story-focused, and improvisational. And as a heads-up for this episode, uh, there is a raunchy poem. I would not call it explicit, uh, but it does have some, some pretty dirty language in it, so um, keep that in mind. We now resume Tabletop Garden. The Great Molasses Flood. So the three of you have woken up in this this beautiful park with with ball fields and you see some strange play equipment that's in primary colors and and you're in this this the north end of Boston, exactly where you were, but new and shiny and with things you don't recognize. And this person is standing in front of you in jeans and a red hoodie. And they say, welcome to 2019. What's that? I say, oh, sorry. Uh, right. Uh, this is always hard. Um, Sam, I think what they mean is we're dead. And uh, Harmony's going to get into the lotus position. <laughs> You're not exactly dead. Okay. Let me introduce myself. Um, is this what is this like an afterlife of some kind? Is this like it's a baseball afterlife? Say, is this no, somewhere no, no, where no. the Red Sox That's are finally right. a decent team? That's right. Okay. Okay. Listen. So, my name's Ashley. Um, so before 
you couldn't tell the gender of this person. Now you, of course, know. They've got kind of a high voice. They've got a weird haircut, but you know that they're a guy because Ashley is a guy's name. (laughs) And he says, you're not dead. This is sort of a dream. Uh, Do you, have any of you read science fiction? And you have no idea what that means. You've never heard that term before. Uh, And he says, wait, oh, I'll say, sorry, hold on. Uh, Adventure stories, specifically H.G. Wells. Have you read The Time Machine? No? Okay. No. No. So if you think of time passing, right? Time passes, time flows like a river. There's certain ways in which you could, if you imagine time flowing, just like that harbor out there, ways that you can skip ahead. Like you could take a bridge or like you could you could get on a boat and go upstream. That's sort of what I'm doing uh, and what I've helped you to do. Does that sort of make sense? I'm sorry. We have literally just perished in molasses. You standing here in front of this bench want to say something about it's 2019 and then start talking about adventure stories and then you say something basically you're quoting row 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 your boat and you're like is this sufficient (sighs) well i'm gonna talk more (sighs) but i just want to make sure that we're good so far you died in 1919 this is 100 years later the same spot and I brought you here so that I can talk to you and get your help. Are are we... Were we drugged? No. Is this some sort of... What trick is this? How'd you, how'd you do it? So it's, it's, it's pretty complicated. Um, you don't have nearly the science needed to understand it. Uh, and I know it's really hard to believe. So I understand you think it's a trick. That's just fine. But... By the end of our interaction, or a little while afterwards, I think you're going to believe me. So are you fine with just kind of playing along for now and listening? What, are we dead or not? No. Well, you won't be. Great. Can you put us back? Because we've still got people to take care of. Yes. I will. Yes. And you won't lose any time. All right. But I do want to talk to you first. Okay. All right. Uh, Harmony's going to pull some cannabis out of her bag and start, yes, rolling a joint. He, like, at first is, like, like seems (laughs) a little shocked and, like, looks at it and looks around. And then, like, you see two (laughs) different mental processes going on. One, you your characters don't really understand which is like oh right cannabis is perfectly fine in 1919 um but he also like looks at the street and then like kind of laughs to himself as if like he's afraid of someone seeing but then is like oh no one's gonna see and i'm just looking over at that and looking at harmony and looking over at sam is just sort of like hey sam are you okay what's i i mean what happened here yeah you're all completely uninjured completely clean i mean i guess i guess i'm okay uh this is uh this is a new one. Were you caught up in that? Was I in the the flood? Yeah. 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 Oh my god. Yeah. I take it you were. Oh, yeah, right in the middle of it. Mhm. I was at the firehouse. 
Oh. And Ashley kind of leans forward and says, did <laughs> yeah. any of you see any men with paper skin? I mean, I saw you. Yeah, but I don't but... have... I mean, like, their skin would have looked I mean, weird. They would have been wearing, like, a yellow or white suit. There was a guy who was uh, was outside who was out uh, outside the firehouse. He was, like, uh, didn't know his sort of weird striped thing. He looked like he'd just gotten out of the Gray Bar Hotel um, it was, uh, for a little bit. He was talking to... I think he was talking to George. Oh, and for a bit, and he pulls out that adding machine that you saw him with, and is like poking at it, but like it's it's like a little handheld box, um, and he's kind of poking at it, but you don't hear like any mechanism working. And he looks at it and he says, "George Lee." Yeah. And George Lee, did he get caught up? You didn't see Lee in the fire station. No, he ran out to he ran out to talk to this guy, and uh, I think that's the last we saw of him. What race is this person? Um. You'd have trouble placing him. Uh, not white. Um, could be Italian or Spanish. Um, not black. Okay. Okay. Carry on. <laughs> I offer a toke to anyone who wants it. Ashley included. He waves it off. And he says, uh, there's this group of people, creatures, I don't know. We're calling them the cut-up men. We... I think they changed what was supposed to happen. You've heard of, like, destiny or fate or God's plan or whatever? Well, we think that the cut-up men changed things so that the flood turned out the way it did. Changed how? And why? They're, uh, the cut-up men, they're, uh, they're sort of retrospectical beings. They're doing a ready-made art piece, uh, we think. They, they sort of, they sort of you have no idea. None of, all this is after your time. There are sick people who are making art out of your lives. They think that they can write a better story than the world can. And unfortunately, because the way time works, I can't stop them. But you all can. So, in the year AD 2019, it is possible... For an art project to involve traveling the wrong direction in time. Yeah. My people can't do that, but the cut-up men somehow can. Your people from the east side, or, like... Uh, I mean, I wasn't, not, wasn't born around here, but I'm, I'm a member of a group. It's complicated. My body's lying on a slab somewhere. You don't Wait, what? We're all kind of dreaming. Clearly. This is a contrafactual timeline. I can't... The fact that we're interacting makes it impossible, and so this is all going to go away like a like a waking up from a dream. The only thing that we can transfer, that my people can transfer back and forth, is information. And so this is a way of me putting information in your heads for you to use back in 1919. This group you're a part of, is it an intentional community? Oh, God. Uh, Harmony. Think of it. Think of it more like a, like an activist group. All right. Temporal activist. You're socialist. I mean, an anarchist. I'm. I don't know. I'm sort of social. I'm uh, more of this. I don't know about anarchism. I I like anarcho-socialism, but anyway, that's. It's not really politically. Well, it is politically oriented. We're. I don't know. That's anti. I mean. 
Maybe that's... Do you have a pamphlet on you? Usually those clear it right up. Ah, a manifesto. Uh, not here. Sorry. I think we're drifting from the point here a bit. Well, it's really important to understand where they're coming from. They've got newsprint skin. From what we can tell, we, we haven't been able to talk to one. But from what we can tell from what they've done, they kind of think that, like, everything is is based on the context of the observer and, like, you all don't matter because because you're dead in this time unless one of you like somehow no you're all no one could possibly live to 2019 with the age as you are so because you're all dead and don't really have an i don't really understand art i just want to stop it apparently neither do i he says so so yeah cut up men interfered with that event and you all can solve it and if we want it to stick all i can do is give you information so here's the deal you're going to go back to 1919. I'm going to send you there. You're going to go back nine days before you left. Okay, you're going to come back on January 6th. You're not going to believe that any of this happened. You're going to think it's a dream. You're going to think I was doing some trick. You had a nightmare or whatever. Then, when you read the morning paper, and you read that Teddy Roosevelt has died, you'll know that there's some information. You all remember yeah. that Teddy Roosevelt died. It was kind of a big thing you'll know that you had some knowledge of the future. At that point, you're going to go to Copps Hill Burial Ground, that graveyard that you mm-hmm. and I met on, points at Sam, and work it out. Do what you can. Figure out what the cut-up men are doing. Figure out what they changed and how you can stop them. How could we possibly figure out what they changed? We only know what we experienced. Try and figure out what caused this. I mean, you saw what happened. You can investigate there. Unfortunately, the history we have is after the change. So I can tell you kind of the story the cut-up men told, and you're going to have to do some sleuthing, I guess. I know none of you are detectives, but I think you're the right people for the job. I mean, it sounds like diagnosing a problem and working out the kinks in the system. Can do that. Yeah. Do it all day, every day. Great. I'm an anarcho socialist pamphlet writer. That's practically an investigator. Yeah. I mean, you're good at looking at systems, right? Look at where the money comes from. Look at where the power is. Look at who's in control when it's trying to exploit people. That's the sort of levers that the cut up men are going to try and pull if they want to change things. My job is to try and go into bad situations and save people. So, same thing. Great. Then we're all agreed. Uh, if you need information from me, you can send a telegram, all right? Send a telegram to just write to Ashley. I'm going to give you the address you're going to send it to. You don't need to worry about the details. I'll get it. And I'm going to give you an account number, account number of the Rockefeller Foundation. It'll only work for telegrams in this case, but it means you won't have to pay. Uh, so, uh, remember these numbers. And he recites... Some numbers um, that weirdly stick in your head. Like, I don't know if y'all would normally be good at memorizing numbers, but here you're able to, to like, they immediately stick there. And he says, try and be a little discreet with it every time you send a message. It will create a contrafactual timeline that will collapse, and that's kind of an existential nightmare, but it's worth it in this case. You said Rockefellers. Aren't they mm-hmm. business people? They They've got philanthropic organization it it's got enough money that no one will notice when a little bit's missing you won't get in any trouble hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, we're not worried about stealing from the rich. Um, <laughs> did you say that you were going to tell us the story the cut-up men had told you about what happened? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 a lot of details, um, and I don't want to I don't want to color your investigation. So I'd prefer to only give you what you think is important. Okay. So uh, if, unless you've got any questions now, you can feel free to send me a telegram. I mean, how do you know it's not the way it's supposed to be? Uh, little details, stuff missing, things that, that turn up too, too easy. We've got photos that show the cut-up men on scene afterwards. Uh, they, they tend to leave little calling cards can we see those can you show us where they let, let us know where they're gonna be uh sure um and uh he says i mean you gotta understand the stuff we've got is stuff that survived to, to 2019 so we're talking news photos so this is after you left uh but and he reaches into his uh into actually into his back the back pocket of his of his trousers and pulls out a uh newspaper and it's uh if the paper looks wrong it's uh it's like just just something about the weight of the paper looks wrong it's clearly on newspaper but Are those but, ads oh. in color <laughs> no this is this is a black like this is this is the, the oh, it's black and white newspaper. oh that's right it's from the time that's right sorry i was i was thinking of a futuristic <laughs> newspaper sorry yeah. never mind forget that forget it yeah, this, is, this is the boston post and uh and he he offers it to you and it's the the it's tomorrow's newspaper um he says you're not going to be able to take that back with you but feel free to take a look at whatever you want. And, and he, he points in the picture, and you see, like, among some ambulances and stuff. And this is probably a little bit troubling to y'all, because it's an aerial photo of the devastation. But he, he points it at one of, the, one of the figures, and you can indeed see that, like, it looks... From this photo, it looks like this person has been pasted into this photograph. Like, it looks like this photo has been faked. And he says, that's what it's like. That's, that's what it's been like. Huh. So, and and you can see the headline: huge molasses tank explodes in North End. Eleven dead, fifty hurt. A lot of a lot of details. Um, but it's still like it's clearly like the report of the reporters the day after. I'm trying to think of any hugely important stuff. One moment, I'll just pull up this actual <gasps> paper. I guess one note that it says is that an internal explosion was the cause. Says state chemist. There, it's kind of some experts have taken. I'll look at it, and they think that there must have been an explosion inside the tank. Do they say what kind of explosion? Like, what the type of explosive is? If any. It, you know, it could have been temperature and pressure, but... They think that it wasn't dynamite. They think that the boiler inside the tank, uh, that there was some sort of heating element inside the tank that, that heated it and made it explode. But it, it's still real preliminary. They're not sure. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. And you can certainly, like, flip through, and if you want, kind of later on, you can be like, hey, when I skim through that newspaper, did I see anything about X? How about sports scores? Or you can... <laughs> I say this as someone who is looking at the... There is a hockey game on tonight that I am not watching, so I have sports on the mind. Yeah, you can certainly, like, get sports scores, get, like, all that, all that stuff. I'll pick whichever... Um, he doesn't seem at all concerned about you looking at that stuff. Whichever crucial baseball team... New Englanders care about, since there seem to be yeah. a lot of baseball things that New Englanders yeah. care about. I know the Red Sox were operating at the time. I don't know how they were doing, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just assume that my character thinks they're not good enough because you know that's <laughs> it's a safe bet. 
to assume that your your baseball your favorite baseball team isn't doing as well as you'd like. <laughs> Fair enough. So you you can get that information and come Thursday, January sixteenth, you can make a bet that'll make you a lot of money. He says, uh, anything else? I feel like there probably is. <laughs> All right. Well, speak now or send me a telegram. Uh, tell me a poem. Oh. Yes. Something new. I don't know. Something, uh, I'm going to say queer. Oh. That sounds good. Hmm. (laughs) I think you just got him. Got him! (laughs) (laughs) So I, I spent some time looking up poems related to molasses. um, And while I did not get good ones directly about molasses i did find some good poems <laughs> so it was not a completely fruitless search um are y'all fine with a raunchy poem are you fine with it it's your podcast <laughs> i'm fine with it i can put a content warning on this i might giggle like a child but i'm good with it <laughs> if y'all are and a shrug from Jim. All right. <laughs> uh, he looks at you and he says, you got to promise not to write this down. Do not publish it. This has to be between us. All right. What about spoken events? No, do not perform it. Okay. All right. This can't influence things. Okay. I could do that. He says, uh, all right. This is a piece by Marilyn Hacker. Didn't Sappho say her guts clutched up like this? Before a face suddenly numinous, her eyes watered, knees melted. Did she lactate again, milk brought down by a girl's kiss? It's documented torrents are unloosed by such events as recently produced not the wish, but the need to consume in us. One pint of Maalox, one of Caopectate. My eyes and groin are permanently swollen. I'm alternatingly brilliant and witless and sleepless. Bed is just a swamp to roll in. Although I'd cream my jeans touching your breast, sweetheart, it isn't lust. It's all the rest of what I want with you that scares me shitless. Jim's face. <laughs> you can recite all these things in public? Sure, yeah, yeah. Hey, maybe the future yep. ain't as bad as, as we might think it was going to be. Lorenzo, you should come to a poetry reading with us sometime. <laughs> you should, there's some good uh, stuff. Well. Well, one step at a time, right? Um, uh, I think, uh, wow. All right, well, seems like as good of a benediction as any. Nice knowing y'all. Nice uh, meeting you, I guess. Peace. And he uh, he turns and walks away, and the, the, the sun gets brighter, and all the sensory information just gets more and more. The smells, the... The sound of distant traffic, the the itch of your sweat, and then you all wake up. So, Lorenzo, where are you on January 6th when you read that Teddy Roosevelt is dead? I live at the firehouse, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, maybe I go out with one of the other firefighters on a run to pick up some stuff for the morning okay just like some bacon and stuff yeah yeah bacon and other bacon related things Mm -hmm. um and uh 
we're at a newsstand, and that's when we sort of look over at the paper and see that that's in there. Was that the headline of the paper, do you think, or was it... Uh, yeah, we'll say so. Yeah. So I see that that's the headline of the paper, and that's where it sort of registers. Did you think that it was just a dream until that point? Yeah, I think up until that point, I thought it was... Yeah, I thought it was a very bad dream that turned into a very strange dream. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that I should not have gone to that Picasso art exhibit when it was in town. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, then it's just sort of thinking back and like, well, no, wait, if that happened? Does that mean that happened and that happened? And so It's, a, it's probably pretty unsettling yeah. to walk out to do shopping past this huge tank that's sitting intact outside your yeah. house. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Harmony, where are you when you see that Teddy Roosevelt has died? Well, I guess that morning, uh, wait, 19, 19, are there phones? Can you use a phone? Yeah, yeah you might have... Uh, yeah. There may or may not be a phone where you live, because you'd need to, like, pay. Um, uh, well, Harmony would find a phone and call uh, an auntie that morning and say, Yeah, do you remember when Granddaddy, like, had those visions about seeing um, time travelers and how, you know, he had visions from the future and he ended up, he wanted to write that religious text, you know? Um, yeah, he said angels oh, yeah. were telling him what, how things were going to turn out, angels from, from the year 1999 or something. Yeah, yeah, that's, I like, I had this, like, dream, and it was like that, you know, and I, I was like, this is what, this is what Granddaddy was talking about all that time. So anyway, like, how do you go about founding a religion? Uh, well, uh, I'm not rightly sure, uh, I mean, I guess you could read up on, who's the, who's the Mormon guy? Oh my goodness, yeah. Harmony. Have you read the news? Uh, no. Well, President Theodore Roosevelt died. I'm, 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 I've gotta go. Uh, are you okay, honey? Um, yes, um, yes, uh, and I will talk to you later, Auntie. And Sam. Uh-huh. Where were you when you found out Teddy Roosevelt died? Hmm. I think early morning, sort of chill sitting in the common room of the hotel, inn, B&B, whatever lodgings that that he's staying in. Um, So, you know, having coffee, kind of having that weird feeling that you have when you're on vacation that's like, my body thinks I should be doing something at this hour, but... Mm -hmm. I don't have anything to do, and I don't want anything to do, but I still feel like I should be doing something. Plus having some really unsettling dreams um, of, you know, a mixture of um, snippets of information and weird 
people and also weird events and I, I don't know it just very unsettling um so sitting off in a corner uh having coffee and breakfast and uh snaps open the newspaper or picks up the newspaper and and goes to read it and sees the headline and is like huh it huh this is uh well damn puts the newspaper down and tucks into breakfast <laughs> because they're gonna have uh, he's gonna have shit to do once it's done all right and a little while later it's a short walk for some of you i don't know where uh sam's lodgings are but you all presumably meet up in the graveyard there's no weird person from the future standing here this time there's just the three of you and you're able to see down from the graveyard down over the whole neighborhood completely intact but with that enormous huge tank just dominating the whole landscape and i think that's a good time to have a quick chat I would like to talk to you about something that I think was unexpectedly part of this campaign. One of the one of the principles that we're operating under for Rosette Diceless is improvisation, and I hope I haven't sprung something on you too much by including time travel in this story. So time travel, I should say that um, that another source for this that I didn't mention at first is a book by James Glick, Time Travel: A History, um, which is an excellent book. Um, about sort of the history of the concept of time travel and how we first started thinking about it, how we thought about time and history beforehand. And H.G. Wells writing The Time Machine is essentially the first instance of modern time travel in fiction and how it's evolved since then. And time travel's weird. It can be a a plot contrivance that doesn't work. Um, It can be a a cop-out, or it can be something that, that drives concepts of coulda woulda shoulda and what if things were different and visiting other times so what do y'all what are y'all thoughts about time travel and especially if they relate to this era time travel is i think like 100 okay 99 percent linked to star trek for me like when i think time travel plot i think i run through the rolodex of largely questionable (laughs) uh time travel Mm -hmm. and and holodeck episodes that are also effectively time travel episodes and i think star trek is bad at them (laughs) by and large like with rare exceptions Mm -hmm. i guess they got better ds9 probably had better ones but just like they're so they're so flippant they're so you know romanticizing or like what about paradoxes and i'm like i feel like this is shouldn't probably be your biggest concern actually like I don't know. There, there's a whole lot going on. And so when I am in a plot about time travel um, or alternate universes, I think this applies there too. It's tough for me to not like fall into a Star Trekian mode of thinking mm. of like, what can't I do? What am I, what, what kind of paradoxes are there in this setup? And it's like, why is that the, like, <laughs> Um, it's just well, a, I did it's, my best to set up a scenario <laughs> in which you don't have to worry about paradoxes. Sure, yes. Um, paradoxes have already happened. Yes. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's fun. I think it adds, um, it, it adds another layer onto what we were talking about before, where 
we are playing in a historical space, and then we're going to time travel to that historical space. So it's not only how do we as players handle the first layer of that, it's how do we as players and the characters we have do this as well? And to what degree do you try to fix things? Because like, you know, if you drop me in, pick a year where something bad happens very shortly afterwards, which is many of them um, that I know about, and think I might be able to change like there's a certain moral imperative right that that Mm. one might consider themselves having anyway long story short um I think it's fun but I think it's difficult to keep it weighty without it being like weirdly dramatic like Mm -hmm. calling in the Nazis or mass murder like you know what I mean? Like, yeah. here's history. This is what time travel is like. Um, or, mm-hmm. you know, Captain Janeway romping around with her Jane Austen novel <laughs> reenactments, you know? so I first um, was introduced to time travel actually through the story of the time machine. Um, mm. I... I expected you were going to say Doctor Who. I had all my money on Doctor <laughs> Who. Well, I- I'm going to mention Doctor Who. but <laughs> Excellent. I... Uh, I first, as a kid, got interested in time travel, and I've been kind of a fan of it ever since. Was when I, uh, I think the f- what I what happened first was I heard an audio drama adaptation of it, and uh, then I think I al- I'm pretty sure I also read it, and uh, I was fascinated by the whole thing, um, and I really liked time travel stories from that point on. Um, I got into Doctor Who um, later than that. Um, for me, I, I mean, I knew what it was from like the age of four as a TV show. And then I, uh, I, but I got into it, I think more when I was, um, like eight years old, I think thereabouts. And, uh, so I, I started with classic, uh, classic Doctor Who, because as I, as I've stated previously, I've been around for a while. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so I was a very big fan. Doctor Who has been inextricably intertwined with my, uh, uh, my personal history, um, and I've always had been a fan of the original series and now also the new series. And uh, I think from that sort of basis, I feel as though, by and large, the best time travel stories, or the ones that end up best anyway, are the ones that are not about time travel. Mm. I think you can do a really good story about time travel. But I think it's easier when the time travel is more of a setting element or a vehicle for the story. It's how you get there, but it's not necessarily what the story itself is about. The story itself is more about things that the characters are going through either on a personal level or there's just something where you know they they find themselves in Doctor Who. It's a lot of the best Doctor Who stories. They just find themselves embroiled in what is going on there, there and then. They become part of events, and then they don't, for most of them, consider time travel as a, a way out of it. Um, yeah. In the in the newer series, they've done a lot more stories about time travel, and that's fine. But it is a uh, finer needle to uh to thread um when you are actually trying to bring the the how of it into it to the point that it's kind of a central thing um i think in 
tabletop RPGs. Uh, time travel. There, there are time travel is something that can be done again either well or poorly. There are there are entire games devoted to time travel. Um, there obviously you have a, a few different Doctor Who role playing games, but you also have uh, there's a Gumshoe game uh, that's uh, it's mostly I think largely played for laughs. You have like characters that can actually be dinosaurs, that kind of thing. Um, but then you have Games like there's a uh, cipher system uh, game that uh, I think is called Predation, uh, where your time travel is uh, is part of it. The sort of the butterfly effect is a little bit part of it, um, and actually in some ways based on the the uh, the Bradbury story um, that goes into that uh, because you're there amongst the dinosaurs essentially, and um, sometimes things can happen that might change things a little bit. Um, if you go too far afield. So the, the actual physics of time travel, the how and the why of it are interesting thing can be interesting things to explore, but also easier to um, get into territory where um, either it can, there can be too much of it, um, or it uh, clouds other story elements, that kind of thing. As a thing that's being introduced in a story like this, mm-hmm. I kind of had twigged to the fact there was going to be time travel when we saw weird people walking yeah. around. Uh, yep. So yeah. it, uh, it doesn't really bother me as, a, uh, as an element uh, for this necessarily. I think it's interesting. Um, and you can, tell a good, uh, you can tell a good story about trying to prevent something or change something if you are keeping it to a very specific set of parameters. Which, for this game, we are. Uh, so I'm interested and excited uh, to see where things go. Uh, so, oh gosh, I have a lot of thoughts <laughs> in my head now um, about time travel. Um, I guess the first thing I would point out, uh, I think this is mandatory for me to point out because I'm an English professor, <laughs> and that is that, like, the like the narrative conventions of time travel are things that literature like is always doing right like mm-hmm. yeah. i mean flashback and chronology and all of that kind of thing so when you think about narrative work i mean time travel relates to some of that in um in ways that are interesting like from a narrative perspective I had read everything that Isaac Asimov wrote by the time I was like 12 or 13 so I'm pretty sure I first encountered time travel from reading some Asimov he has one whole novel about uh, um, being stuck in a time loop or a causality loop or something like that have y'all read that? Maybe I've read a decent amount of Asimov time travel so I'm not sure (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and he's more concerned, I mean, he's like a science fiction writer, so, um, you know, because of Asimov, I followed up and read a lot of the science, um, uh, and learned about black holes, for example, and that kind of thing, and the relationship to time travel. I think it's, it's pretty interesting, um, also, but I'm, 
I guess I'm curious to know what this story is going to be making of time travel from kind of multiple perspectives because there's the one, the narrative perspective where it's interesting and then there's also the sort of thematic or conceptual direction from which it's interesting. Um, it seems to me, have you, Gregory, have you read um, Octavia Butler's Kindred? I don't think so, no. Or Jim or Alyssa, have y'all read that? Okay, well, everybody should run out real quick and read Kindred, because it's really good. Um, but it's also pretty heavy, because it's about a, um, a modern-day woman. Um, she's a black woman who's married to a white man, and she time travels into the past when slavery is still happening in the United States. And she's tossed into the past sort of um, suddenly and without control over that situation and has interactions um, with someone there in the past that are like meaningful I guess to her Um, and that book in addition to being science fiction is grappling with issues of race and gender and um, really heavy shit Um, Octavia Butler you know is a genius so I'm curious to see the ways in which like maybe we are going to be grappling with um some material like that too i i hope i don't let y'all down Um, (laughs) on the topic of of recommendations uh two games that involve time travel related things uh i would say check out zoetrope from cosmic mirror games it's a card-based tabletop role-playing game that is very much about the specific mechanics of time travel and the different ways in which you can do paradoxes and and like just about every move you make in that game is traveling through time so it's the exact opposite of the thing that everyone's saying they like um but it's it's a whole lot of fun uh and then um i will on the thematic side recommend um amnesia a machine for pigs which i don't this is i guess spoilery but uh the i won't actually share the spoiler but one of the the central conceits of the game involves uh someone receiving a vision of world war one and one of the one of the central like character questions is what do you do when you know something terrible is going to happen and uh those are two great works unless anyone has further burning thoughts on time travel i think we can return to 1919 I will add that I looked it up, and the novel I'm thinking of by Isaac Asimov is called The End of Eternity. Awesome. That's a good name. Good title. (laughs) We will return to Cops Hill Burial Ground. Should we um, leave our sheets filled out this way, or... um... Take off stress boxes. I think or... I'm gonna say take off stress boxes and maybe take resources back that you started with and were sacrificed. That seems reasonable. That stuff happened in the future. Yeah, I was gonna ask about that if uh, if my <laughs> ability had reset or not. Um, yeah, I think I'll say you can just put your sheets back to where they were at the start of the of the campaign. So you don't you don't keep anything you gained, but you don't. You didn't never lost anything either. Everything's all your stress is gone, all your afflictions are gone. 
We have focus again. Yes. Speak for yourself. <laughs> I'm down our character sheets. <laughs> so, who arrives at the graveyard first? It is impossible for it to be. I, I can't be. I'm slow. Okay. Uh, I was reading the newspaper earlier in the morning, so it might right. be me. Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, so Sam gets there first. You can see that you remember eating your food under that tree, and is is does that mean Lorenzo's next? Sure. And it's it's just a short walk for you. Like you can just yeah. If I look to where that person had been before, is there anything suspicious over there? Uh, nope. Okay. That spot's empty. And then Lorenzo, you can just walk up from the the firehouse. Um, it's a real short stroll. Okay. And then probably last to arrive, but would there probably wouldn't be too long of a wait would be harmony is there much chatter what do y'all say to each other hey lorenzo uh do you have a weird morning too yeah yeah it was a kind of weird morning i got up was very happy to see everybody hugged patty he got confused and we went out to get a paper Patty and, was your uh, uh, your friend, right? But he yeah, was... yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's he's over at yeah, he's he's fine, he's good, he's uh, oh, but yeah, he wasn't in the other. But we uh, I went and saw. I looked at the we you know we were over at the at the stand at the the newsstand, and I saw that uh, Roosevelt has died, which and I'm I'm not, you know. I mean, it's real, right? I'm not. I'm not imagining it. We we had the. So we, for you too, then this uh, Roosevelt's. This is the second time you've read news about Roosevelt dying. Yeah, and the and the, yeah, and scores and everything. The the whole, the whole newspaper. It wasn't. Uh, wasn't a dream. I mean, déjà vu. But, I mean, I never had deja vu with someone else. Harmony will stride up right then and open her arms out wide for a hug with Sam. Oh, uh, You're alive. Give a slightly awkward hug while also looking around a little. Mm. Chill out, chill out, Harmony. We don't need any trouble here. You, uh, what brings you to this hill? Uh, I think we're in enough trouble as it is, and I know you both know what's brought us to this hill. We have cut up men to investigate and find and stop. Okay, so you two then? Yes, of course. (sighs) But not everybody. If your friend Patty was confused, Lorenzo. Well, no, not about... Yeah, no, he he didn't... We were, uh... Yeah, we were on the... No, it's just us three yeah. who are the well, chosen ones. Yeah, it's still just three. No, Patty was uh, was with me before we uh, we were on the roof over there. Ah, gotcha. And uh, at the end. Yeah. I didn't... I couldn't get him out. Well, we'll... I couldn't um, get him out, Sam. We'll do better this time, right? Yeah. It won't even, it won't even happen like that, and... Patty will be fine. 
I mean, I was thinking about it on the way over here. Honestly, we should have asked a few more questions. Like, we could make it worse, right? Like, Oh, presumably. We might not make it better. We could make it actually worse. Sure, but I mean, if we... Not that it went great for us in the first place, but... Yeah, but if we handle these these men, then uh, they can't do their little project. Yeah. So, no project, no flood. No project, no flood. I think we got a mantra. <laughs> oh, is it fuck Roosevelt? Because that one's a good one, too. <laughs> I don't involve myself with those sorts of politics. <laughs> No project, no flood. He says, just looking at everyone deadly seriously. No project, no flood. No project, no flood. Fuck Roosevelt. So, I think we should discuss uh, this upcoming conflict. So this investigation is going to be a medium-scale conflict. And one of the interesting things about Rosette Diceless is, I think is that I, as the narrator offer you of, this, of this scene, offer you potential goals that I think would be interesting to accomplish. And I'm going to say that a goal that is not on the table is stopping the flood. You might stop the flood. That might be part of this conflict. But I am not offering that as the end goal of it. Some things that, you, that could be goals are um, stopping the cut-up men's plan, they could be finding out what causes the flood, caused will cause the flood. Um, what would what would be some other options? Um, oh, uh, you all convincing people to convincing important people to not be there when the flood happens could be one. I think stopping the cut up men is aligned with our mantra. <laughs> It, it, even if it doesn't result in no flood, it could result in no project. Yes. <laughs> At least get the first half. <laughs> yeah, that's my leaning as well. I, f I feel like evacuation would for sh would also be a good one, but is is presuming we will fail. In in my opinion, like yeah. I I think first first attempt is to keep it from happening. And if that yeah. fails, then we fall back on something more drastic. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm seeing this this conflict spanning at least a week. I'm seeing this being a, a long-term thing that y'all are doing. Yeah. So if the goal is to stop the cut-up man's plan, um, what, what sort of consequences are, are y'all interested in as things that will happen if you don't succeed? Dinosaurs. <laughs> we, we I don't. I don't. I think I'll say that timey. There is probably not going to be any further timey wimey stuff. Go. Okay. Other than other than that communication that was discussed. Okay. My idea was getting sent back to the other timeline. Um. So, hmm. which is timey wimey. That uh, isn't how I was imagining this time travel working. But if y'all okay. are totally into that, we can we can recon. I mean, it'd be. I mean, it'd be a real blow to end up back in the wreckage. Uh, that might be a bit much. I that, feel that's, that's going to be a little too grim for me this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's, okay. that's, grim. that's really bad. This, um, this certainly could end grim. Um, yeah. depending I don't on how mind a grim go, ending, but... but uh... 
Yeah, that would. I don't want it to be the same grim ending. If we can have some variation, <laughs> that would be nice. I like to space out my grims from, uh, <laughs> if at all possible. <laughs> hmm. Consequences. So these are totally for you to a thing for y'all to offer as the as the players in the conflict. Yeah. But something that hasn't been mentioned is, um, depending on how you're going about this, police could get involved. Um, mm. So getting arrested or something like that could certainly be a be a thing. I mean, there's the possibility of doing something that makes things worse. Um, there's the possibility of the cut-up men doing something that makes things better for them. They have a higher rate of success at uh, at turning the whole thing into an art project. Like getting caught by them or something along those lines. They do something to uh, uh, keep us out of the... Uh, the reckoning. Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, having a shameful legacy, whatever that means to y'all, could certainly mm. be a be kind of a form of cut up men revenge. Ooh, yeah. That's an interesting one. Yeah. When it, I I remember we were discussing consequences on the first conflict. You were like, maybe don't take something that's gonna like drag around behind you like an anchor. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Obviously, now I know why, but this one could have something like Shameful Legacy. Yeah. History does not remember us well. Like three. I yeah. like that one. These okay. three motherfuckers. History remembers you, but not well. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. That one's really interesting. Actually, the more I think about it. Can you even imagine how badly you'd have to fuck up to wind up as a footnote to 2020? <laughs> Four seasons. <laughs> so, yeah. Sounds yeah. like the Pretty goal much. is to stop the cut up men's plan with a and avoid the consequence. Uh, be remembered by history. Not be remembered by history, but badly. Yep. And all the other stuff discussed could happen or not as a part of this conflict. Sound good? Sounds good. Yeah. And you said you're not offering that the flood will be prevented as part of... It doesn't have anything to do with the success of the conflict or not. Right. You could stop it, um, I will say. It will be tricky, um, but you could stop it entirely. Um, I guess that was my question. Do is it like in our control as players? Yes. Um, I I have in my head a few different ways it could go, and y'all could come up with something. Um, but I will say that it is trickier than you might think. There is there's it's kind of there's a domino situation going on where past a certain point, I'm I I'm having trouble thinking of a thing you could do. But it's Rosette Diceless. You could do accepts and unlesses. To, to Uncanny insights. and Yeah. And there's definitely room for, like, differing degrees of stopping it, right? Like, clo- right even close to the wire, even if, even if you know this is going to happen, evacuation could still be on the table. Yep. Try as they might, they'd all lose the fight against the dark and tidal mound. 
Next time on Tabletop Garden, the Great Molasses Flood. By the way, about the tank, is it just me or has it been leaking? I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't have ties to more than a couple of anarchists. And I toss it onto his desk and I say, how do you explain this? The storm is within and very soon will leap and crash and annihilate you in blood and fire. We will dynamite you. Rosette Diceless was created by Future Proof Games and can be found at rosetterpg.com. Our theme song is Great Molasses Disaster by Robin Agner and Parlor Game, available under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 3.0 license. You can find more on Tabletop Garden at tabletop.garden, and you can support my work and get episodes early at patreon.com slash Gregory Avery Weir.